The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hey, what's up? This is Jeff Cobb, and you're listening to Keep It A Strong Style. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From the Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here With the young boy Josh Smith on today's show, we'll be discussing the road to new beginning, answering your questions, and covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping a strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tea store, prosanteescom slash social suplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate, clicking on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level you can visit njpwext.us today for details. Young boy, how you doing, man? I am hanging in there. How are you doing, man? Doing good, man. Just, you know, another day in, in this crazy pandemic. Yeah. I, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, there's some things in life that just bring you so much joy. And when those things get taken away from you, it, it, it really is hard to kind of rebound from it. And, you know, some people listening, they're probably thinking I'm talking about going to movies, you know, seeing loved ones, you know, not wearing a mask. But what I'm really referring to is the lack of Fantascomania in my life. Mm. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. The lack I, of, of Caristico, of uh, uh, Barrio Cavanario. I actually thought my delivery would would pop you there, so it caught me off guard. Just like, mm. <laughs> no, I, I feel that man. I, I, I miss some fantastic mania. I miss the music. I, I miss you know our uh, Fuego Junior dancing with Risuke Gucci. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. So I mean, it's just uh, it's it's hard. This is the time of the year that I'm I'm accustomed to. Uh, you know, family family tag team tournament. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the uh, Guerrero brothers against um, annual annual historic world middleweight championship title matches. <laughs> yeah, Quatrero and uh, Sanson, all those guys. And instead, I got to watch all these fools over in Japan. I, I want to watch the Mexicans. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, well, at least we still got uh, Kojima in a big program. So, yeah, man. Um, but uh, it's weird. It's like we, we kind of got a lot to talk about, but we also kind 
don't. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to run through these uh, three Road to New Beginning shows, uh, talk about the results and the kind of story elements that happened there. Also had a ton of questions from you guys, so we're going to try and run through all that. Uh, that is one thing. There's a lot of questions about everything happening on these shows. So, you know, it seems like there's definitely a segment of the audience, at least our listenership, that are pretty invested in what's happening. Um, you know, and these shows haven't been bad by any means. In fact, they've been, you know, quick, breezy watches. I mean, we're talking like two-hour shows, you know. But at the same time, I kind of feel like nothing of real consequence is t- totally happening. Um, you know, I, we're, we're going to discuss it here, but do you think that the re-engagement for a lot of our listeners has to do with the success of Wrestle Kingdom or do you think it's this new format? What do you think it is? Yeah, I definitely think there's uh, multiple variables. Yeah. I think the buzz of Wrestle Kingdom, um, we'll talk about in the news, there was a, you know, a nice increase of subscribers coming from Wrestle Kingdom. So I think that had some time to do with it. I think having English commentary live, for uh, this tour with uh, yeah. Kevin Kelly, I think that's helped a lot. And then also, yeah, the the two hour um, format that they're doing now, due to the COVID outbreak, you know, they are limiting the shows to two hours, five matches. They're starting them earlier. There, there's a curfew at eight, so getting the shows done uh, before eight p.m. In, uh, Tokyo time. So I think that the shorter format helps. I mean, you don't need ten multi man tags to build to what's coming up. So for, for me, the, the shorter format is helping, but what's not helping is the reduced crowd size. And um, do we know what that is? Because I was wondering, is is this a, a, a mandate? Uh, are they back down to reduced numbers or do you think it's just because of the curfew uh, or, or maybe like panic over the state of emergency? Like I, I couldn't tell really. I couldn't find anything about that either. Yeah, it sounds like I know one of the Corkin shows. I think they might have did around four hundred. I think paid. Um, I, I think again, different variables. I think with the show starting earlier, it is harder for people getting off work to catch a train to get there in time for the show. Um, and if you get there late, it's like you're pretty much missing majority of the show. Is, is, is it worth even going for the show? Well, not even just that, but like if you have to be home at a certain time, right? You know, it it, it reduces any kind of travel crowds, you know, pretty greatly, right? And I'm sure there are some people who are concerned about the pandemic. Um, these shows, you know, we're in the middle of the week here, not not, not weekend shows. So I'm sure there's a lot of different factors, and I'm I'm not sure. I haven't heard anything about the like the building the capacity, but I'm sure they probably have lowered that as well. So. It's a mix of things there that's having a lower crowds than usual. Nice. Well, let's uh, let's get into this stuff. Yeah, I want to start a question here from Kevin from D.C. He says, a general question starts off this week. Obviously, because of a noticeable spike in cases around the greater Tokyo area, shows are starting earlier and then ending earlier with five matches per show so far instead of the normal six. Generally, the matches have been shorter as well, ensuring the event that even with entrances, the intermission and the post-show promos, VOD usually comes in at around two hours. This makes the shows easier to get through on NJPW World. However, if I were going in person, I would feel slighted at the amount of wrestling the live crowd gets. If you were somehow able to go to the shows live, would you be disappointed in less than two hours of action per show? Personally speaking, no. Um, But, I mean, I can't speak for... 
someone else, you know, that that's attending the shows, you know, for me, a, a tight under two hour show is usually a treat, no matter what the circumstances are, especially if it's high caliber, high quality, and it's, you know, kept real tight like that. I, I kind of prefer it, especially when it is a road to show. Right. It's not like it's, you know, a normal, it's not new beginnings. It's not a king of wrestling. It's not a big show at all. It's not even, you know, a, a destruction. It's, these are road to shows. So I would not feel slighted if I was going. I mean, first of all, we're going to a show in the middle of a pandemic where my city is having the highest cases it's ever had. Uh, I would kind of understand why the shows are, you know, less than two hours worth of action. You're still getting to see all the big stars or setting up all the, the big programs for the upcoming uh, New Beginning shows. So, Yeah, I, I agree with that. So let's talk about, uh, start with night one, uh, January 17th, going over these results. So opened up with the United Empire, Great Okan, Will Ospreay Company with B. Priestley. They defeated Satoshi Kojima and Yotosuji. Something to point out here. So pretty much all these Road 2 shows are opening up with United Empire versus Kojima and the Young Lion. We've got the debut of the Empire's logo. Uh, so they finally have um, a logo now. Um, so... Once again, all the purpose of this match is to preview uh, Will Ospreay versus Kojima. That's coming up. Also for Kojima to get some revenge on these guys for taking out Tenzon. Um, one thing before we move on, we have not done Wrestler of the Month. Oh yeah, I keep forgetting to put it or, in there. So I, I'm just gonna throw this out there. I'm looking on Cage Match right now. I'm, I'm giving myself a little brief refresher on December. I think it's pretty safe to say Hiromu Takahashi is the wrestler of the month for December. Yes. Um, you know, just based on his output, I'm looking at his matches, the ones with show, Taguchi, obviously the the Desperado final, plus he won the final. Uh, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say he's probably the wrestler of the month, and then him and Desperado is obviously the match of the month. Yep, I agree with those. So boom, there's All right, your, well. <laughs> your December wrestler of the month and match of the month. This is the latest we've ever gotten that out. <laughs> yeah, because I don't know. Right. We missed it one, and then I just keep forgetting it because it's so late in the month. I just don't even think about it. So yeah, there we go. So we got that. We got that locked in. So uh, yeah, we can continue on. So some questions here about uh, this empire and this opening matchup here. So first from our user uh, Dun Diesel eighty six says, "Is it just me or is Ocon vibing to Osprey's music theme during entrance the greatest thing ever? I'm totally sold on this this man and his gimmick." Are, are you paying attention to the entrance themes? I am. So, yeah, you know, Okani's doing, uh, you know, the kind of, um, that kind of jumping, like, virus. I forget, what's what's the gimmick, the Gangshi or whatever? The uh, Yeah, uh, Jiangshi. Yeah, still doing those kind of movements, but he's kind of doing it in beat to Osprey's new uh, heel theme song. Uh, so, yeah, I, I love Okan's entrance coming out with, with the Empire, and I think it's, it's working. Guy looks, looks like a star. And so, yeah, I mean, we've, we've already been sold on Okan, but yeah. What Do you like Osprey's new music better than Elevated? No. <laughs> Dude, Elevated was epic, man. You heard that. Dun, 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 dun. Like, you knew that, you know, things were, business was about to pick up. <laughs> we always had that joke whenever uh... – Alistair Black would come out in NXT. We'd be like, it's time to rise the fuck up. That's exactly how it was. It's time that's to how, elevate. Yeah, it's, you, that's how it was when uh, fucking Osprey would come out elevated. And that man fought so hard last year. Was it last year, the year before, to get the rights to the song? Because remember there was that time period where yeah. it, it went away for a little bit, and then it came back, and 
now just threw that all out the window. Uh, well, you know, these things happen. <laughs> uh, next question from user Drive Like Joshu says, how many blank do I need to blank for Kojima to win something? I get that he's a gatekeeper and stone-stepping now, but do we think he's going to get one last G run, G1 run, run or never push before he retires? My real question is, how many blanks does he have to blank or <laughs> or they uh what what are these blanks sir that he ha- <laughs> what blanks does he have to blank i don't understand the question here i think he's maybe wanting us to give like something that he has to do to uh in order to oh i'm not gonna play that game because i've got a very distinct thing that i think that they're asking and i'm not gonna i don't think this is a family-friendly show i'm not gonna Sully, our good name. <laughs> would hand, hand him out some uh, Hindu squats. Uh, but yeah, this this is the 30th anniversary of Satoshi Kojima in the professional wrestling business. Obviously, we've he, he's been getting some highlight moments that he hasn't been getting the last few years. We're seeing him. You know, he had the big Wrestle Kingdom match with Kenta. Now he's in this program here with Osprey. Um, I definitely think with this being his 30th year and with the limited roster um, right now, I definitely think we're going to see Kojima get some more shine, some more chances. He's probably going to be in New Japan Cup. Um, maybe he gets a G1 run. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, but my, I definitely think he's going to be stepping up more this year. My whole thing is, could he absolutely do a G1? Sure. You know, um, it would be to the detriment of another talent but i mean it it's still satoshi kojima and he could definitely do it he'd probably be excellent in it and uh it'd be really good to see him have his send off g1 as far as like a never push well he just had a shot uh well i guess it wasn't yeah you know it's funny because it's kenta i was thinking it was never but i guess it's not um i really don't see him winning a never title i could see him maybe challenging for one but even those even if that happened i think the circumstances the circumstances would have to be like pretty auspicious. Like, I don't know, maybe in an off month when they're just trying to build a champion and give him, you know, but, uh, and none of this is to, to, you know, besmirch Satoshi Kojima. But like Jeremy said, it's his 30th year. He's, he's way past the time of, you know, getting tons of opportunities. I think he's a utility guy at this point and he's excelling in that role. Um, we're, obviously we're seeing that with this, uh, feud here, uh, with Will Ospreay. And I, I've also got to kind of, um, apologize in the fact that I didn't see from day one when they did the stretcher job to Tenzon, that that would probably be a ramification of him and, and Will Ospreay fighting one another. But, you know, based on the backstage comments and everything, they've done a really good job building up this little feud and, uh, you know that's that's a great role for Kojima to be the first guy to kind of you know look up at the lights for Will Ospreay in this new role. Yeah, yeah, they're using Kojima perfectly right now. Um, yes, as a big Kojima fan, I would love to see one more G one run. I would love to see a never challenge, but I think he's being being used, utilized very well here, feuding with guys, getting some spotlight moments here. Yeah. Uh, Did you see the? Uh, the Will Ospreay comment where he was like, I'm not one of these guys. Oh, I know everything about Kojima and all Japan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was some heavy Kenny energy when he did that. Remember when Kenny was like, 
I, I've seen Kenny like cut like little promos and like like you know behind the scenes like that too. I don't know. Yeah, kind of making fun of the quote unquote internet nerds or people who know everything about wrestling. Not even that, just the mannerisms and the and, and the like, voice. Yeah, yeah, the voice. Like it, like it almost seems like he's like ripping off Kenny's you know shitty backstage shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, next question here, Kevin from DC says the strangest thing happened at the 117 Cork and Show for whatever reason. B Priestley was accompanying the rest of the United Empire to the ring, and then completely out of the blue, she threw a fireball into the man's into my man's Tatsushi Kojima's face. Oh wait, that was Alexa Bliss to Raw to Randy Orton last week on Raw. Never mind. Anyways, what are your general thoughts on Priestley's presence at ringside so far? A noteworthy, noteworthy evolution to New Japan, a sacrilegious attempt to integrate Joseph to New Japan, or no strong opinion either way. We're not getting the likes of Maria Canellas versus Amber Gals anytime soon. At least I feel confident about that. Uh, I mean, this is not any... Well, the first thing I will say, it's not sacrilegious. I mean, um, freaking... Um, God, why do I why do I forget names? I do this on the air all the time. I think um, Peter Mihoabe... No, I'm uh, going further back. Um, what's Kensuke Sasaki's wife's name? Um, She's like one of the greatest Joshis of all time. Like, anytime you're having that discussion, it's like, who do you like better, Minami, Toyota, or Akira Hokotu? I, or I always say her name wrong, too. Akira Hokuto, I think is it? Yeah, she used to... Um, Hokuto, that's right. She used to come out to ringside with uh, Kensuke Sasaki, especially during big dumb shows and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's not the first time. And then, like we mentioned before, they've had, they've actually tried to integrate Joshi into New Japan on numerous occasions in the past. I mean, um, I started doing research and I think I counted something like 50 women's matches in New Japan history total. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's it's hard. You got to find it. You got to do digging, but it's a, it's in cage match. You can find the shit. So I mean, um, just want to throw that out there. Uh, as far as B Priestley goes, my opinion, I think that she's a great addition without being overbearing. Like she fits, she actually fits a, a more similar role in some respects to how Brandy was with Cody in New Japan. Mm. Sort of like the heelish diva, you know, because that's really not what Miho Abe or Peter are doing. You know, Peter is like, you know, eye candy and Miho Abe is sort of like this sweet sort of innocent, you know, fangirl of Tai Chi. Like they have a totally different dynamic, but like B Priestley coming in, like she is, she is a wrestler and she is vicious and like, you know, she will try to distract them, but she's not like making it about herself or anything like that. Like, I think I think she's been a welcome addition f- so far from what I've seen. Yeah, I feel like she's her interference has been very subtle. Um, they, yes. they, they set it up really great. You know, we kind of complain like about a lot about cheating and interference and how it's done. Oh, there's definitely a, a right way to do it and positioning the referee. And I think they've done a great job of doing that with her and setting her up in the right situations to, to come in, punch somebody real quick or choke somebody real quick. And they did a good job of this, uh, back in England and the UK, you know, and what culture and, uh, you know, places like that. I think they might've even done the shtick a little bit in, uh, rev pro if I recall, or not rev pro in progress, if I recall, 
But, uh, I mean, they, they've got some experience when it comes to Osprey and B sort of being a, a, a you know, a, a unit in a package. So um, I think that they have done really well, you know, and it's, it definitely, I think, enhances the heel package of Will Osprey, which is what they're trying to do here. They're trying to present him in a completely different light and really get the unit over. And I think I think it gives them a, a different look. I think she's been really good, actually. Yeah. So moving on to the next match, we had the Bull Club team of El Fantasmo, Gato, Jado, and the Bone Soldier Taiji Ishimori defeating Sugun team of Doki, El Esperado, Minoru Suzuki, and Yoshinobu Kanamaru. Uh, us so also here, we're previewing the upcoming junior tag title match that's coming up on the 23rd. Uh, we have El Fantasmo continuing the loaded boot gimmick. He's kicking people in the gut and stomping on them, and they are overselling uh, the pain from that move. And telling the ref to check his boot, so they're they're keeping that loaded boot gimmick uh, going. Uh, Gato has looked dejected in these matches. He's he's not wearing switchblade uh, jacket or shirt anymore. He's just wearing a regular bull club uh, shirt and jacket, uh, refusing to comment to uh, Kevin Kelly. It's because it's a work. It's and and it's a great work too. It is so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm 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 sorry if you guys are listening right now and. You know, are hoping that we are going to play along with this uh, this ruse. We're not going to. Th- this is no cap zone. It's no flex zone. This is 100 percent of work. But I- I'm here for it. Like they're doing an incredible job telling the story. You know, and telling the story that this man is gone and no one knows what the future holds for him. And you know, it, I think it's very creative, very inventive, and I think it's captivating for almost the entirety of the audience, honestly. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I love that people are so invested in this and are, and are getting work. I think it's awesome. Uh, we had a question here from uh, Red User PCN91. What do you guys think about ELP's loaded boot gimmick? I love it, but I have been seeing some people hating on it and saying it doesn't belong in NJPW. I guess it helps that I love that kind of old-school gimmick. Oh, yeah, this doesn't belong in New Japan. New Japan has never had stuff like this. I mean... You know, what are some other things that have happened in this company that didn't belong in it? You know, there was a man that was carrying around Iron Claw and smacking people in the face with it. You know, I didn't hear anyone being like, oh, this doesn't belong in New Japan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I remember when freaking I, I remember like uh, Onita, you know, the great Nita, like bringing a freaking scythe around and slashing people with it like come on it's pro wrestling like here's the thing if there's an overabundance of stuff like this sure fine you know let's light them up and we've definitely had some uh you know criticisms of the company over the past year but this is an incredible gimmick this guy you know was out for all this time quote unquote couldn't work couldn't train couldn't wrestle comes back he needs a he needs a little bit of an edge finds a way you know loads up the boot he's been kicking the trees up in canada yep (laughs) (laughs) been training his his super foot (laughs) it's i i think it's awesome and um you know and if people don't like it then he's doing his job pretty well because you're not supposed to like it because he's a fucking cheater you know yeah and and if people can get down with uh the garrote wire yeah um, i think it should get down with the loaded boot you know why I don't like the Groat Wire? Do you know why I don't like the Groat Wire specifically? Why? It's because if you really 
like wrapped a wire like that around someone's head, you could like literally decapitate them at, at, at worst, but at minimum you would like break their, their like vocal cords and like, you know, it's what the, how they kill people in the mafia movies. Right. So like to me, it's just, I can't really get down with that, but like a loaded boot. Oh yeah. That makes total sense to me. Yeah. It's very believable that he could put something in there that would would make his, his kicks more effective. It's very, it's more realistic than yeah. Dick Togo coming out and, Potentially killing somebody with the gorilla. Bro, I've I've worn steel toe shoes. Like you could drop like a boulder on those things; they won't hurt you. So, like, what if he's got steel steel tip toes in there or something like that? And that's what he's loading up. Like, I love it. And uh, yeah, I think I, I like old school gimmicks like that too. And you know, when done correctly and you know not over abundantly, that stuff works. And I think it's working. I think they're telling a really good story. And ultimately, there probably will be a payoff with this, you know, and that's the cool thing about it. It's not just something that's going to go on forever. Yeah, and throughout the matches, we have been seeing uh, the, the Zugun team trying to grab his foot, take the boot, and try to attack the foot and try to, you know, get their boot off to show that something's in there. So, also, that's going to be. Oh, yo, a private party's on impact right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just uh, just uh, throwing that out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard that tonight's impact's supposed to be uh, pretty good. A lot of crossover That's interesting. stuff. Uh, but yeah, Loaded Boot's probably definitely going to play into the tag title match coming up. Either it's going to get revealed or he's going to use the boot to get the win. And then Despi and Kamara are going to have to find their way back into challenging and figuring out how to get the boot off. So yeah, definitely some, some great, great story elements here and mix some things up. It's just funny how often people complain about what does or does not belong in New Japan. And it's like... Okay, there are some things within reason, but like some people act like this is like, you know, 1992 Baba's All Japan Pro Wrestling, you know? Right. When this company's never been that. Right. And just with the existence of the Bullet Club for however many long and all the cheating and shenanigans that have happened Bro, there. With the existence of Taguchi and, and Yano, just period. <laughs> right. There's, there's so many things you can point to that, like, quote unquote shouldn't belong in New Japan, but it exists and it works. They're like, oh this DDT bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my God. Then we had a next matchup we had the Chaos team of Goto, Okada, and Ishii defeating the Bullet Club team of Dick Togo, Evil and Yujiro Takahashi. Um, so here we've been seeing the, the kind of seeds being planted for Okada versus Evil. We've seen comments from Okada saying, you know, he he really needs to get the win back uh, against Evil from New Japan Cup last year to really move forward. Evil has been ducking Okada to want the matchup here. Um, so, obviously, I, I feel like come Castle Attack, I feel this is probably going to be one of the big matchups that they're going to build to. Um, I'm I'm reading ahead to this next question that we have, and I'm trying to understand who Delonte West is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know who uh, Delonte West is either. I I don't know. I'm I'm reading some pretty sketchy stuff. Dan 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 Coffin is uh I don't know, man. He's playing fast and loose with the rules here. <laughs> He's lucky we're not Brian Alvarez. I, I think I might have to ban this man. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so Dan asked, did Okada pull a Delonte West of Gato's mom or something? I can't think of any ex- other explanation for 
Okada being stuck in a feud of evil after he vanquished Will in arguably the best match at Wrestle Kingdom. When will this madness end? Uh, I mean, evil is a big star. <laughs> like, I don't want to see it, but like, we told y'all a long time ago that this man's not going anywhere. Like, this, it's, it, it, I think, what, how long do you think the evil stuff, like, evil being pushed as a commodity will continue? Over, under, four years. Uh, I will say under. By how much? Not by much. I could see maybe, like, the next two to three years. Him still- I see at minimum, like, two to three years, maybe four years, he's still pushed as a top commodity. So, like, I think people just got to get used to it, you know? Yeah, and obviously... Or, or, or not watch it, you know, which is... You know the unfortunate side effect. Yeah, but I, but I think people knew that eventually Okada was going to get that win back from Evil from New uh, Japan Cup from last year. Um, so it doesn't really surprise me right now. Um, both these guys they, they need something to do. Um, they're both top guys. Also, again, like I don't want to see the matchup. Um, they've had good matches in the past when Evil was an Lij. Hopefully, you know they can go that route and not what they did last year in New Japan Cup, but. You need a program for both of these guys. Yeah, I agree. I uh, I think it just it does make a lot of sense because from a booking standpoint, um, you know, it, it is the holdover feud till we get to the New Japan Cup, which will you know kind of be the the next quarter reset for the calendar year for a lot of these different you know characters and feuds. So, I mean, I don't know, like. Yeah, this is, I mean, this just kind of makes sense to me. What alternative do you think they could have had for Okada as opposed to putting him into a feud with Evil right now? I mean, there's not much. The the roster's still being limited. You know, you had some Gaijins going back uh, home. I mean, you have Tanahashi's tied up with Shingo. Abushi's tied up with Sonata. I mean, Naito's not doing anything. I guess you, you could, but you, you, I mean, there's still big money in Okada Naito. You're not going to throw that away at New Beginning. I guess you could do it at Castle Attack since it's in Osaka Joe Hall. But still, I think that's that's more of a Dominion Wrestle Kingdom uh, match you just don't want to throw away. I mean, the only other thing that might have made sense was like, to me, maybe Jay White, but obviously they, they've got him wrapped up in his own story. So, yeah, I mean, this is kind of what you had to do. Right. He's, he's, and, 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 at the end of the day, I think, you know, like we mentioned, Okada's getting his win back. So, I mean, that's the story here. Yeah. He's not going to face anybody in chaos. All, all the titles are kind of tied up right now. There's no, no. Although, although, maybe this is a way to heat up evil before the New Japan Cup. Mm. I don't know. Especially with the story coming up with, uh, you know, potential return of Jay White and all that. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, you could have Evil win this match, and then they face off again first round New Japan Cup, and Okada gets a win and knocks Evil out. It's a big, quote-unquote, big upset. Possibly. Yep. You could have Evil go back-to-back-to-back. Back to back. That That's the kind of booking that uh, <laughs> Gato likes to do. One, two, three. Uh, we had a question here from EMJ does PR says so the money clip is still around still finishing fights is this weird story still a thing or is Rainmaker 
or is the Rainmaker a pay-per-view move now? Uh, I mean, well, I, I obviously I hate the freaking money clip, uh, and I think it's a really elaborate like troll job. But uh, in its defense, we complained for a long time about how the Rainmaker had kind of become bastardized you know there was a time where like if you got hit with that thing you weren't kicking out you know i remember like it was a big deal tanahashi was the first and only guy to ever kick out of it and then like naito and then like you know and so on and so forth everybody got huh so then everybody started doing it (laughs) right and then like in the big matches it took two three you know four of them to put guys away and that's supposed to be his big move so what way can you rebuild credibility in the move well i guess you could try to do what wwe did with i don't know if you guys remember this but they tried with brock lesnar a few years back where he just put everyone away with the f5 with just one f5 but after but they did it after years of him hitting three four five f5s on guys and so it was just so sudden and out of the blue and i think that what new japan might be trying to do to rehab the maneuver and get it back over is use a lesser move, try to get that over. No, it's not going to be over that way. When he uses the move that everyone's actually pining for, you know, and it puts people away. It's like more believable. Um, and at this point, I mean, I don't know, I guess like Okada's kind of in that unique place in his career where he can do screwy stuff like that and kind of be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like we like, you know, I'm not a big fan of money clip either, but at this point I'm kind of used to it. Like, it's just kind of it's just part of the match now. Like it's it's going no, to happen. No, it's it's shit. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. complain about it until it gets better. Just like we complained for so long about the butterfly lock until it got better. You know, he's got he's got to do something different with that shit eventually because it sucks. It really sucks. Yeah, I mean there there are some there's some instances where it works out, but overall, yeah, it's still, in my opinion, it needs some work and definitely it just it just brings the match to a halt and it just kills momentum. But uh, moving on to the next matchup here, semi-main event, we had Sonata, Shingo, and Naito defeating Tanahashi, Kota Ibushi, and Tomioka Hanma. So again, previewing Sonata, Ibushi, Shingo, uh, Tanahashi. You find it weird that the double champion has been the semi-mains for all these shows? Um, I guess, but um, not really, because I think that this is just the lead-up to the Hiroshima show which is going to be headlined by Tanahashi and um, Shingo. I think once we get to the what's, – what's the other new beginning in Sendai? I think so, yeah. Or wherever it is. I think once once we get to that portion of the tour, they'll probably be having Ibushi uh, so and Sonata. Uh, so the first one's Nagoya and then two nights at Nagoya. Hiroshima. Then two nights at Hiroshima. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that they're just headlining the big match for this, you know, Nagoya match. And then when the rest of the tour continues, I'm assuming they're going to be having like Abushi and uh, Sonata headline. Maybe I'm wrong on that. That's what I was thinking, though. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Um. Uh, I, and the other thing, too, a uh, very interesting thing, Sonata, Shingo, Naito. I mean, that's a, a dream team if there ever was one. Um, so, I mean, I can't imagine that team taking any pinfall losses to any combination that they have here, especially when Hanma's on the other end, um, which is 
pretty traditional booking in the New Japan sense because they want to make the challenger look as strong as possible. Yeah. Uh, Hanma was looking looking pretty rough in these matches here. He took a, a very sloppy Destino. I'm not sure if it was this match or the, the second night, but it did not look good. Uh, I mean, you know, it is what it is. There have been times, like, you know, um, his performances here might not have been the best, and who knows what we're going to get out of Hama going forward. But, you know, I mean, we know we know the issues he's had. We know the, you know, the, the rehab and, and everything like that. And, I mean, I'll take this version of Hanma over what we had when he first came back from injury, you know, any day of the week. Yeah. Uh, this question here from Rambo and Slam Pig says, Shingo Tanahashi is happening. Go ahead and take your victory lap. This is my most anticipated match of the New Beginning Tour. What are your expectations? Do we see a title change, or does Tanahashi put over Shingo while looking brilliant in defeat? Um, who's that a victory lap for? Was that me or you or us collectively? I don't even really remember. Well, I know um, initially after a power struggle, people were asking what should Tanahashi do at the Dome, and I was like, I think he should face Shingo for the Never title. Hmm. Um, and I think later on after that, you were like, yeah, Tanahashi and Shingo would be a great never match. So we, we can both take a victory lap here. Um, so I'm looking at the uh, cards going down the line here in the future, and it looks like the last two nights of the tour, Sonata and Ibushi are in tag matches against one another. But the two nights leading up to that, they've got those 10-man elimination tags uh, in the main event. They're not involved in those. Gotcha. So it looks like they're going to they're kind of like putting them in the semi main event spot for the, for the majority of the tour and then the last two nights they'll put them in high stakes, you know, tag team matches. Gotcha. But yeah, I, I'm super pumped for Shingo and Tanahashi based off of the interactions uh, they've had in these these last three nights. Like I already know the match is going to be incredible. Like their chemistry is off the roof like the sequences and encounters that they're doing in these multi-mans have been great. So just imagine what they're going to do one-on-one. I, uh, I, there's a part of me, too, that's just like, you know, um, there's a time and place where this match just seemed like it could never possibly happen, you know, given the affiliations that these two guys had with Dragon Gate and New Japan, respectively. But I think it's like sort of a dream match that people always sort of like speculated about just like that it would be cool to see it and now that it's actually coming to fruition is really really incredible um i don't know if i i wouldn't say i, I could take a victory lap on this because i don't feel like i predicted it but we've been asking for it <laughs> yeah for a long time ever since we first started seeing these guys in multi-man matches um i know we saw it during the world tag league but i feel like even like earlier in the year we saw them in a uh I don't even remember, but there was a, there was a multi-man match where we saw them, and it was like, oh shoot! Like I really, really want to see this. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm just I'm ex- I'm really, really, really excited. Yeah, and also we'll we'll save our final predictions when we do uh, the preview show going into to that new beginning show. Uh, but yeah, I yeah, think, that's a good call. Yeah, it's gonna be an interesting outcome, regardless of which way that that match ends up going. Um. After that, we got Wato and Sho defeating the LIJ team of Bushi and Hiromu Takahashi in the main event. Yeah, big main event here. Juniors in the main event here. Uh, New, New Japan main event or Master Wato. This man 
he's main eventing a lot of these shows. Yeah, man, he he's racking up the the main event wins here, uh, main event spots, I should say. Uh, and yeah, so pretty good main event here. Uh, I thought Wato looked pretty good in this match. Um, obviously, this match is set up the Wato Bushi match that's coming up on twenty third, and then the the big junior title match with Sho challenging Harumi Takahashi. Their interactions looked great as well. So really looking forward to that Hiromu show matchup. Uh, we have a question here from Ranita Dom, who we want to one. Is it me or does it feel like the show and Master Wato is a oddball pairing that could work well together if they ever put together as a team? Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I feel like they've been fine. I, I haven't seen anything personally that I thought like was uh, – super impressive but i mean you know both of them have a background in mexico both of them came from the young lion system um so i don't see why not yeah i mean obviously with if yo still out and with the lack of junior tag teams at the end of them being well actually watch us not in chaos is he yeah, he's in, no yeah. he he's you know hontai but obviously at this point it's like they're the same what's the difference right so yeah, with Yo being out, Rocky having to be in the States, Watto's a good kind of stand-in person to team with Show it, it matches like these, or you know, down the road if they need to pull out a junior tag, you know, challenger, you could do Show and Watto. Uh but yeah, I thought I thought they've been a fine team so far. Um next question, he said, So who do you guys got in the eventual matches between Naito and Hanma and Doki and Jado at Castle Attack? Yeah, so Naito obviously has been seeming to have an issue with Hanma. Some of the matches even, you know, attacking him after the match and definitely attacking, attacking the injured neck during the match and stuff like that. So, yeah, maybe it's, you know, Naito, it's going to give Hanma, you know, one little last big match here. I guess. I mean, that seems like a pretty strange thing to do <laughs> um, at Castle Attack. I mean, I, I guess I'd be fine with it, but... uh you know, I don't know. It's it's always strange when you have like a prolific champion. Uh, you know, we we've seen it in the past with Tanahashi, seen it with uh, Okada. You, guys have had long lengthy reigns, and then you kind of move them out of that spot, and you have to ask yourself, well, what do we do with them next? You know, right? So uh, that would be interesting. I mean, does that? Do you think that Naito and Hanma are, that that's actually happening at Castle Tech? No, I think I, th- I think he's joking. I think it's that's not happening. No way. Um, if but Na- we're still kind of wondering what what Na- know, Naito's direction is, right? And if he's not in a singles match, I'm guessing there would be some kind of Lij multi man that he's in. Uh, but yeah, I think somebody the guy set somebody up. For, for I have no desire to see Doki and Jado anywhere, anytime, ever for any reason. I don't know, man. That could, that could be the, the the front runner for you know <laughs> match of the year twenty twenty one. Let's let's move on to night two, the eighteenth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so once again, you had Empire, Great Okan, Will Osprey defeating Satoshi Kojima and Yuyumura. Question from Viking Payne says, why is it that Oka has come out of the gates looking like a star while Kawato has only succeeded in becoming a meme? Is it a confidence issue, gimmick problems? Yeah, uh, I completely think that's a huge part of it. I mean, um, I mean, when they were young lions, Kawato was definitely seen as being like probably the head of his class. But part of that was due to the 
like when they when they both left for excursion, like Kawato had been in the Young Line system for a longer period of time, and a lot of his um, support was based off the fact that he was sort of seen as like an underdog, you know, uh, a plucky underdog, you know, kind of lovable goof that people kind of got behind, you know. But on the flip side, you had Oka, who's always been been a badass, has always come off as a badass. Uh, you kind of compare and contrast their two excursions while, you know, Oka had his share of troubles. He overcame every single time and had, you know, an excursion that could be explained as nothing less than successful. And you can't say the same thing about Coato over there in CMLL and in Mexico. And look at the look at the characters, look at the gimmicks, look at their presence, their uh promo ability and the work and uh you know they're complete you can tell the difference um you know it's night and day between the two of them right and it, even in the way that they were slotted you can tell i mean master wato made his debut by getting jumped by doki who's literally the lowest guy in the totem pole in new japan then you have okan coming in he's, he's attacking okada he's being put with will osprey like Clearly, the company already saw them in two different positions as they came in. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and I think it's bearing out that way. And something significant is going to have to change, uh, you know, if, uh, you know, Kawato is looking to be seen in a more favorable light. Yeah. So next matchup, we had Zugun, Doki, El Torado, Minoru Suzuki, Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Uh, taking a, they defeated the Bullet Club team of Fantasmo, Gato, Jado, and Taiji Ishimori. Um, you know these these, these kind of heel versus heel matches have been very fun. Uh, these guys kind of jumping each other and trying to, to out out heal each other. And again, the continuation of Fantasmo using his uh, loaded boot. Uh, question here from Reddit user Asayo Jimbo: If you're driving. At the speed of light, and you turn your lights on, do they do anything? Joke aside, what do you think is going to happen with Suzuki Goon? We're down to six members and a rather ambiguous future for Suzuki himself, despite at least four of them having regular title contention of some kind. Why did you, uh, why did you no sell that man's joke like that? <laughs> <laughs> Were you just reading it, not realizing it was a joke, or? Uh, I mean, I read it, but I gotta know. <laughs> <laughs> what was his question? <laughs> what do you think is going to happen with Suzuki Gun? We're down to six members and a rather ambiguous future for Suzuki himself, despite at least four of them having regular title contention of some kind. Um, honestly, I think that they're sort of like bordering that like tweener role. Yeah, we, we've seen that kind of with dangerous techers kind of starting out with Tai Chi and Saber kind of working that tweener role in the feud. Um, against G.O.D. Uh, and now, you know, with Suzuki and Bull Club kind of feuding against each other, they're, they're kind of, I would say Suzuki is more of the Bay faces in this match, even though obviously you still have Doki using the pipe in the match. You got Suzuki breaking the rules, and um, they're definitely still rule breakers, but I feel like there's more sympathy behind Suzuki with them keep getting screwed over with, with the loaded boot and, G.O.D. stealing the, the Iron Fingers. There's a lot like that's been going against them right now. I mean, for me, it's sort of like I'm just kind of reading the tea leaves and I'm looking at the, the landscape. And, I mean, you've got at least two major heel factions. And, you know, with whatever's going to happen with Bull Club, I could maybe even see potentially a splintering and maybe 
a possible third down the line. Um, and that kind of puts Suzuki goon right in the, you know, the, the, like right in, in the scope of, you know, well, what do you do with them at that point? If you've got, you know, strong established heel groups, um, I don't think we see them go the way of chaos and become full fledged, you know, you know, baby faces with some heel leanings. I think they'll always be somewhat maniacal, you know, t- uh, sort of characters, but I could see them lending themselves more to being a tweener group down the road for sure. Yeah. So next matchup, we had Goto, Okada, and Yoshihashi defeating full club team of Dick Togo, Evil, and Yuro Takahashi. So continuing to set up the, the Okada Evil feud there. Then in the semi-main event, we had the LIJ team of Hiromu, Sonata, and Naito defeating Kota Ibushi, Sho, and Tomioka Hanma. A uh, question from Reddit user Dino Boy: Do you see Naito rematching Ibushi for the double title in the coming months? Um, no, not necessarily. I, I really don't actually. Um, and it's not usual that we see a quick rematch in when there's a title turnover like that. I mean. I can't really think of one recently. Well, I mean, I've, the, the Naito Evil stuff, there's been a lot of rematches and quick turnover there. Uh, I guess that's true. I was thinking more of, like, <laughs> like legitimate. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and because, too, you know, there's such a limited roster still, they can't bring in a lot of guys. You know, they can't bring in, like, a big star to, to come challenge Ibushi from the outside or anything like that. Uh, I potentially could, you know, uh, Castle Attack is in Osaka Joe Hall. They need a big main event for that show. I could see them running back Abushi Naito for that for that card. Yeah, uh, that might make sense for Invasion it's, or uh, for Castle Attack, possibly. Um, it, it's also weird because I keep forgetting about Castle Attack, and so I'm thinking, like, we're at New Beginning. New Japan Cup is coming next, so obviously not, but... You know, once you mentioned, yeah, we get that that February castle attack that does kind of throw a kink in the works. I'm guessing somebody provided Ibushi win. Someone's gonna have to challenge. So why not Naito? That does that does kind of make sense. So I mean, maybe that is maybe that's where they're going. We're, we're talking about Naito not having a clear direction just yet. Um, I think that's definitely a possibility. Yeah, and he has been in a lot of these multi-mans with Ibushi, even though I'll say the, the focus is on Tanada and Ibushi, but Naito's still been in the, in the mix there. So you, you could easily have, yeah, Naito walk out after um, Ibushi beats Tanada at New Beginning and then challenge Ibushi for Castle Attack. Um, One thing, too, is when is the anniversary show? I think that's in March. Is that after the Castle Attack or whatever? Yeah, that's after Castle Attack and Budokan. In the beginning of March. Okay. I'm just wondering because I'm thinking like of, you know, Hiromu potentially against Ibushi. I mean, maybe there's a little story here of Naito going up against LIJ members, you know, in, in the first part of the year here. Mm, yeah, you definitely could do that. Uh, next question here from Ready to Dirty Bubble with one of the belts. Uh, Bushi hasn't held New Japan during the Never Six Man. Is being the Never Six Man. My question is, when are we going to see Abushi face his strongest competitor yet in Yoshihashi? <laughs> That's funny. People keep asking questions about uh, Yoshihashi and Abushi. Yeah, I, I don't. 
I don't know what I what I'm missing there. I don't really feel like they've they've had many interactions. Well, today my girlfriend said she needed to come on the podcast and explain to everybody how Tai Chi should be the real double champ. <laughs> Oh, man. And as you can see, she's not on the show, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on to the main event, we had Hiroshi Tanahashi teaming up with Master Wato to defeat the LIJ team of Bushi and Shingo Takagi. Uh, Wato getting the big win here over Bushi. You know, Bushi was very confident going into this feud because he had pinned Wato at Dash and thinking he was going to have an easy win against Wato, but Wato gained the big win here, proving that he can beat Bushi and that Bushi should not take him lightly. I mean, yeah. Uh, I'm not that interested in a Bushi Wato match. Uh, we, we, we spoke about it in the past. You know, why? Because, I mean, Wato has his known struggles in the ring. And then, you know, for me, Bushi's just a, he's just fine as a competitor. And he, I've never known him to be a guy that could carry anybody to anything, you know, significant. So I just, I don't have a lot of faith or investment in this story. But I think for people that are coming around on Watto, they probably are a lot more invested than I am, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, question here from Razor. Why did you do that, bro? Why do Master Watto and Bushi have to main event every Road to show? They don't even have a title involved in their feud, if you can even call it that. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I think they are trying to make good on Watto. Uh, I mean, we've talked about it in the past that like they've made quite an attempt to give him every opportunity that they could afford him. I mean, he had a lot of big match opportunities in the New Japan Cup, or I'm sorry, in the uh, Best of Super Juniors. Um, he had a he's had a prominent role in. Other tours, like when they were doing the six-man never open weight tournament, uh, you know the junior tag team title tournament, um, major singles matches on most of the big, you know, uh, pay-per-views earlier in the year. So I mean, it's not like they're they're not trying with Watto. Like they're giving him a lot of a lot of leeway, a lot of rope, uh, and um, I think this is just another example of that. Here's the thing. This is, in my estimation, is probably a big test because Bushi is not a guy who carries people, like we've mentioned. But he is a completely passable and competent hand in the ring. Like, if you can't have a good match with him, there is something wrong with you. You should at least be able to get to that three and a quarter, three and a half star range with him pretty easily. So I think they're they're putting him in there with with a guy that's pretty experienced, but who's not known to be like an elevator. So it's sort of like Watto has to elevate himself and show what he's made of. Otherwise, I don't know how long they're going to keep giving him all these opportunities. Like we've talked about, it's been almost a year now. Yeah. And I think too, you know, putting him in the, in the main events, teaming up with guys like uh, Tanahashi and Sho, uh, who are just excellent performers. I think this is a great experience for him and just a great lear- more learning experience for him and just a way for him to just kind of, you know, pick up some some skills from those guys. That's true, and I totally agree with that. But keep in mind, I mean, he those are the same guys he was teaming with before he left for Mexico. That's true, yeah. So, I mean, you know, he's been around them for quite a while already. But, yeah, I think, I think it puts him, um, you know, in a good spot. You know, just uh, the fact that he is in a main event, that people in Corkin are kind of seeing him as a 
you know, they're not seeing him as a main event or main eventer, but they are seeing him as like a guy that's, you know, associated with these other top Hontai acts, which I think is a benefit to him. So, yeah. Uh, question from Rambone Slam Pig. Do you know why Gino Gambino hasn't been on commentary recently? I would think it would be harder for Kevin Kelly to get to Japan from America given our COVID situation. I, I don't think it's harder because he left before the state of emergency and and did the uh, quarantining. And I mean, I think for a lot of people, I mean, Gino is what, in Australia? Yes. Yeah, I can't assume to know, but I think they've been pretty restrictive. Um, so, I mean, and then who knows? Like, there's also the fact that, like, Gino is probably the least senior of all the commentary guys that that are there, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not saying in terms of his talent or skill or anything like that. I'm just talking about tenure. I mean, he's been actually calling New Japan for less time than Rocky or Chris or any of the other regular guys. So, you know, maybe they're not as fully invested in involving him right now. Yeah. And I think too, right now with Kevin being there live, I don't, I think it'll probably be probably a technical nightmare having Kevin live and Gino being, you know, Skyped in or whatever. Uh, Well, and the other thing too, is we don't know what the plans were going to be like, you know, Kevin, we, we know Kevin was going to stay on for quite a while and that was always the plan, but maybe the plan, let's say it was to bring in Gino, but then the state of emergency did happen and those plans got scrapped. That's a possibility. So maybe that's why. Yeah. Uh, next question from Kevin from DC says your weekly evil question has been taken over by your weekly master Watto question. (laughs) Three shows into the tour and Watto has been featured in three main events. Do you see this as an opportunity for the wrestler to grow and adapt his style into a more prominent role? Or are you getting sick of the soon to be grandmaster taking part in these matches? You know, I'm, perfectly fine with it because these are just road to shows and you know we you kind of know what you're getting there like you're getting some sort of tag team stipulated match and if it wasn't going to be Wato it was going to be Hanma or Tenzan or some other Hantai member and at least with this it's a young guy on the on the roster who needs the reps who needs the experience and um like, do I have faith in him? No. Like, <laughs> at this point, I really don't. But, you know, there there is the benefit that he there is a, a, a bit of a feud that's also ongoing that's going to get a, a little bit of a payoff here, too. So at least there's some stakes involved with what he's doing. Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. I have no problem with him being here in, in these, uh, these main events. I think at this point, you know, it, it's sink or swim for him. Like, you you got to throw him out there and see if he can succeed. Uh, right And so I don't have a problem with that Like you mentioned Roti shows A little mini feud That they're doing here With Bushi um, And I, I think yeah It's going to be a good experience For him to be in these main events And I think you know Teaming with a Tanahashi I think that that's a, a confident booster Right there Going to do the, the, the close the, the show closing You know guitar uh, Playing with Tanahashi I think that's definitely Kind of a big moment Something that could kind of boost his confidence and kind of give him some swagger going into the, these matches here. Yep. I agree. Uh, also, we had a, a new young lion uh, debuting on these shows at a question. From EMJ does PR any Intel on the new young lion. Suji's got to be on his way out soon. 
Um, well, I don't know why it would be assumed that Suji would be the first guy. I mean, it could just as easily be Uemura. They debuted at the same time. Um, I'm actually guessing that with Gabriel Kidd going back to America and there not being any other young lions except for those two guys, it's probably high time that they debuted somebody else. So I think we're right primed for one Maybe two depend. I don't even know who they've got. And, and let, let's just answer the question. No, I don't. I don't know anything about the, the new young line. I'm sure you don't either. No. Yeah. So, yeah. But it makes but it makes sense that they're get, that they're prepping and getting ready to bring in new guys because it's right about that time in the cycle. Yeah, Suji and Yamura, they're, they're both of those guys are ready. I think right now to go on excursion. Um, I don't know where they're going to go uh, during the pandemic, but. Whenever they do they go. They can go work DDT. <laughs> yeah, they could work other Japan promotions. Big, yeah. Go work Big Japan. <laughs> go work yeah. uh, uh, a, or 2AW. <laughs> uh, just just tap out. Just tap out, yeah. Uh, Plenty of places. But yeah, they definitely need to kind of restock the young lines there. With Freedoms. Those. Yeah. <laughs> go have death matches. They're going to send one of their young, their young lines to uh, Jun Kasai. He's just going to get like all scarred up. He's going to come back like just cut up everywhere. Get their jaw broke. <laughs> yeah. Um, remember at one point Regal's son was um, a young lion or was like there for a little bit? Yeah, I, I remember him being there, but we never saw him wrestle. Yeah, so I don't know what happened with him. I wonder if he's been in dojo or what's going on there. Uh, Paul, Uncle Paul found out and was like, what the heck? Bring that kid to the to the PC. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So then we have the um, night 30 of the Road New Beginning Tour that happened today, uh, January 19th. Had United Empire, Great Okan with Osprey defeating Kojima and Yoto Suji. Again, building up this this feud here with uh, Empire and Kenkoji. Yeah, and one thing I like to throw on that is, you know, everyone was like, oh, these guys lost all of their big matches at the Tokyo Dome. They're just, you know, geeks and losers. And we're like, yeah, they're going to heat them back up. And what are they doing? This whole tour, they're winning all their matches in dominant fashion. And, yeah, sure, it's against Kojima and Young Lions, but, like... You see what they're doing. You see what they're gearing them up for. Like you know, so I I think we were right on you know target when we kind of predicted how they're going to handle this. Yeah. Then we had uh, Phantasmo, Gato, Jado, and Taiji defeating Doki, Desperado, Suzuki, and Kanamaru. Once again, Doki falls to the loaded boot, the super kick from Phantasmo. So again, we're seeing is how deadly that that super kick of Phantasmo is. Yep. Then we had uh, Dick Togo, Evil, and Yujiro uh, defeating Goto, Okada, and Yoshihashi. Again, just continuing to plant the seeds there for um, Evil versus Okada. Then in the semi-main, we had Sonata and Naito defeating Kota, Ibushi, and Hanma. Again, focusing on Ibushi and Sonata for the double title match. And apparently uh, Naito's you know, hatred for, for Hanma. <laughs> Uh, and then in the main event, we had Bushi, Hiromu, and Shingo defeating Tanahashi, Master Wato, and Cho. So, again, setting up all those uh, big views coming up here. Yeah, and, you know, I haven't expressed it yet. Hiromu and Cho, the rematch, going to be awesome. I can't wait to see that as well. Yeah, that's going to be great. Shingo, Hiro- Shingo and uh, Tanahashi is going to be great. 
Well, uh, looks like we've got four big uh, Road 2 shows coming up here uh, over the next week. On Thursday, January 21st, uh, we have Kota Ibushi, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Tomoaki Hanma, Sho, and Master Wato. Uh, is it, that, that, that's the main event. Yeah, so these are in from top to bottom. All right, let me let me read it the other way then. Yuji Nagata and Tiger Mask will be taking on Togi Makabe and Yota Suji. Uh, second match of the night, Kojima and Yuya Yumura taking on uh, Will Ospreay and the Great Okan. Third match of the night, Minoru Suzuki, Desperado, Kanemaru and Doki taking on Taiji Ishimori, El Fantasmo, Gato and Jado. Semi-main event, Okada, Goto and Ishii taking on Evil, Yujiro Takahashi and Dick Togo. And then the main event, is this a uh, just a regular 10-man or an elimination? Just a regular. Okay, we got Ibushi, Tanahashi, Hanma Show, and Wato against Sonata, Shingo, Naito, Hiromu, and Bushi. That actually sounds like a pretty great main event for a Road 2 show. Yeah. Then we have um, Saturday's Road 2 show, January 23rd. It's going to be a pretty, uh, probably one of the bigger uh, Road 2 shows. Uh, opening up with Suzuki and Doki against Gato and Jado. Then Okada, Ishii, and Yoshihashi taking on Evil, Yujiro, and Dick Togo. Tenzon makes his return here, so we have Tenkoji, Tenzon, and Kojima taking on the United Empire of Osprey and Great Okan. That's definitely a match you can uh, kind of sink your teeth into, given everything that's happened. Yeah. Then the semi-main, we have the Josh Smith special here, the elimination match with Abushi, Tanahashi, Hanma, Sho, and Wato against Sanada, Shingo, Naito, Hiromu, and Bushi. And then the main event, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles will be on the line as El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanamaru defend against the Bone Soldier Taiji Ishimori and the headbanger El Fantasmo. Can Suzuki-gun find an answer to the loaded boot? We will find out on Saturday. Yeah, uh, those uh, those top three matches are all very intriguing. That's uh, that, that card looks good. And uh, Sunday, Before you go on to Sunday, that's one thing we've Got to mention, um, Phantasma, he was on commentary a little bit on today's show, um, just talking about, once again, how he was training in, you know, for nine months, <laughs> super, training the super kick, and, you know, he said, you know, New Japan fans, are, they're used to seeing, you know, 15, 20 super kicks, um, some weak super kicks not ending a match, but now they're seeing what a real super kick can do. <laughs> Sunday, January 24th, uh, we have the... Opening match, Suzuki, Desperado, Kenamaru, and Doki taking on Togi Makabe, Yuji Nagata, Tiger Mask, and Yuya Yamura. Second match of the night, Tenzan and Kojima taking on uh, Will Ospreay and Great Okan, so a rematch of the night before. Uh, third match of the night, Okada, Goto, Yoshihashi taking on Evil, Yujiro, and Dick Togo. Semi-main event, Naito and Hiromu Takahashi taking on Sho and Tomoaki Hanma. And then the main event, Kota Ibushi and Tanahashi and Master Wato uh, versus Sonata, Shingo, and Bushi. And then the last row, two that will happen before we record again will be Monday, January 25th, opening up with Ishimori, Phantasmo, Gato, and Jado against Makabe, Nagata, Tiger Mask, and Suji. Tenkoji, once again, will be taking on Osprey and Great Okan. Then you have Okada, Goto, and Ishii taking on Evil, Yudro, and Dick Togo. In the semi-main, Naito and Bushi against Hanma and Wato. And then the main event will be Golden Ace and Sho taking on Sonata, Shingo, and Hiromu. 
All right, awesome. So some really good stuff on the uh, road to New Beginning. Um, this past Friday, New Japan Strong, we had the road, the last road to Lions Break Contender uh, episode leading into next week, which will be the actual first episode of Lions Break Contender. Uh, on the show, we had a match between Mysterioso defeating Barrett Brown, 7 minutes, 55 seconds. Second match of the night, TJP defeated Adrian Quest, 8 minutes and 21 seconds. And then the main event, the Bullet Club team of El Fantasmo, Hikaleo, and Kenta defeated ACH, Blake Christian, and Fred Rosser. I watched this show, and it was strong as usual. After, <laughs> you know, a really, really great episode last week, you know, as we as I praised it, good wrestling big surprises, great promos, good storylines, debuts, you know, everything. This was just a regular-ass wrestling show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was nothing really stand out on the show, but I, I did like the matches here. I thought all the matches were, were pretty solid here. Uh, well, well, they're always solid on strong. Yeah. That's that's the thing. They're always good. Yeah, and then we're starting to see, you know, also the, the loaded boot gimmick kind of um, bleeding over here with Phantasmo. Uh, um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, last week was definitely more excited, but looking at what's coming up the next two weeks, there's there's some matches that I have my eyes on here. So this coming up Friday, January 22nd, we have Ren Narita making his strong debut, taking on Bateman making his strong debut from Ring of Honor. That should be a fun match. And we have Brody King taking on J.R. Kratos, which that should be a hoss battle right there. And then uh, Jordan Clearwater and Kevin Knight taking on the Regal uh, Real Twins. Then the following week on the 29th, we will have the strong debut of Leo Rush as he teams with Fred Rosser and TJP to take on Kento, Phantasma, and Hikaleo. And also they're, they're building a feud there between Leo Rush and Phantasmo based on what happened from the Super J Cup. Um, then we'll have Dirty Daddy Chris Dickinson taking on Rocky Romero. Uh, that looks good. Yeah, that's going to be room. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give him another chance. I mean, I, they're calling it a road to show, so I'm going to treat it as if it's a road to show. But we'll see if they deliver the goods the next two weeks, which, you know, on paper, that looks pretty good. Yeah. And then uh, on the opening of that one, you'll have Clark Connors taking on DKC, who's now officially a young lion in the LA dojo. Nice. And we had a question here from uh, Oscar Rooney. He says, if you had to take one wrestler from Strong and add to a faction in Japan, who and where would they be? So, okay, so I misunderstood this question. So they don't want us to add someone to every single faction, just one person and add them to one faction. Yeah. Okay. Um, hmm. I have someone in mind that I think is a good fit, but then I'm also kind of thinking like, where could we make the most impact? Um, I don't know, Jeremy, what are you thinking? Initially, I would think about uh, taking Chris Dickinson and add him to Suzuki. That's an, that's immediately where my mind goes. I think that's the most natural and like, you know, kind of logical fit that there could possibly be. Um, I think that makes all the sense in the world. On the other hand, I'm also kind of thinking of like, no, no, no offense to Chris in any way at all. Cause he's awesome. 
But I'm also kind of thinking of like, if I'm trying to make the most impact, maybe I bring in Brody King or maybe I bring in like, uh, you know, Carl Fredericks. But I don't know as readily where I would fit them in necessarily, you know? Right. I, I feel for Brody, I feel like he would kind of fit in Bullet Club, but there's, there's already so many big monster guys there with Fale and Hikaleo. Um, I I don't know if he would if they, that would be the right faction for him. Uh, there's also the fact that there's, you know, this United Empire, that kind of creates a, um, a, a little bit of a, you know, kind of a little bit more wiggle room because that's a less defined group in general, you know, so maybe you could fit one of these guys into that group. I think uh, um, TJP could have fit in the empire. <laughs> sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can, I can make some guesses as to why you think you would fit in with that crew. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, um, Leo Rush is another guy that I think could be good in the empire also. I was thinking of Leo Rush or even ACH, maybe not for them specifically, but just possibly coming over. Yeah. That's the thing. I like I feel like you almost have to like sort of force any connection that you make with most of these guys. Whereas like Chris Dickinson, I think he fits right in a Suzuki uh, Goon like that, you know? Right. Um yeah, I would love I wish I, I I wish they would bring over Chris Dickinson. Like I think he's the fucking man, so Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, hopefully, I mean, there's a handful of guys here from Strong that I want to see um, make their way over to Japan this year. So hopefully things will be, uh, you know, looking better towards the end of this year and get some of these guys like Dickinson and Brody and Leo Rush, uh, you know, in Japan. That's a great question, though. Um, We got some news items here. Yeah, so, you know, we kind of touched on Jay White earlier with uh, Gato kind of being dejected, no longer wearing... The Jay White shirt, the Jay White jacket. You know, Kevin Kelly's asking him for a question. He's like, no comment, no comment. Uh, <laughs> and now, you know, Jay White's profile has been removed from the site this week. Uh, With a caveat, though. Yeah, they, like, they like updated it first and then removed it. Um, like a bot. Yeah, it, said, it had like, a, uh, like an official thing that said like, you know, if he decides, you know, then, you know, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, so there's sort of like a little bit of a uh, disclaimer there. Yeah. So obviously New Japan is doing an excellent job just doing these little things to really play into is Jay gone or is he not a uh, storyline they're doing here. Obviously, we're in the camp. We think it's a full on work. Um, and I think you know, removing him from the website was a great way to continue it. Nice. Um, then we've had some uh, some beef going on here with uh, handsome Tama. Um, a couple of different things came out. Uh, one thing that came out today, uh, you know, Michael Elgin, an interview came out with him uh, talking about uh, not wanting to go back to New Japan because Tama Tonga is a unsafe worker, and talking about some unsafe chair shots, and, and somebody found the video of the you know chair shots in question. Uh, Tonga responded saying, you know, that his, you know, chair shots with a plastic chair were not the issue. Uh, it was Elgin Lion to New Japan and taking bookings for other shows and not letting New Japan know. Um, so they, they've been kind of beefing back and forth on Twitter. Any thoughts on the Tama Elgin 
situation here. I mean, uh, I will say I saw the the video of the chair shots, and I mean, I mean, it, I don't know if you're if if you're Tamatonga and you have to sort of like uh, speak on it publicly. I don't know what you say because I think it's pretty clear he he was fucking the dude's elbow up. I mean. Um, I've never hit anyone with the chair or even like practice with it, but I just got to imagine that you're trying to land your shots in the safest place possible, which, you know, would be like the flat of the back or maybe like the broad part of the shoulder. But the, you know, those ones were hitting the guy in the elbow and he did it a few times. I don't think it was intentional or, or at least didn't seem that way. But, uh, you know, so I, you know, will I call? I, I wouldn't. Now I know that he used the term like unsafe chair shots, but I'm like, what? What chair shots have you ever seen that are safe? You right. Know? Like that's that's a ridiculous sounding statement. His unsafe chair shots. Like, granted, yeah, there's an art to it, but I mean, when the guy's hitting you with the chair, you're kind of just putting your trust in him and hoping for the best, knowing that it's going to be painful, and that you know, I mean metal metal to skin and bone is never going to work out well for you yeah uh and also you know tama had some comments about uh you know the quote-unquote bullet club reunion happening in aw um not very happy about that talking about that on tama's island also you talking about you know, how can there be a bullet club reunion when the bullet club is still going uh, you know calling uh anderson gal sellouts again for the second time in a row um, and definitely does not seem to be down with, um, you know, Kenny and the Good Brothers using the two sweet and quote unquote, you know, claiming to be like a bull club reunion. I mean, I don't know. It, it, it's stupid. <laughs> like, on the one hand, like, I don't know. I think I've always sort of had a, a, a somewhat of an issue. Um, <sighs> how do I explain this? I think that there's a problem in the world today, Jeremy, where when people are on one side of an argument ideologically, they're unwilling to relent in any way to the other side's argument for fear that it invalidates what they're saying. But I think that when you're willing to just be real and like admit the pros and the cons of an issue, you make yourself more credible. You know what I mean? And so I'll hear these people that are like diehard AEW fans or that are like diehard elite fans, you know, and they'll shit all over the Bullet Club that exists in New Japan today. And, you know, they'll call their guys the real Bullet Club and there'll be some truth to it. But then, you know, they also won't admit that these guys pretty much gained most of their credibility off of a brand that was built before they got there and then they paid very little back into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's the truth. I think the bucks and Kenny and them, and I'm not one of these guys that hates them. I like them. I'm fans of theirs, but I see what they did. Like they, they piggyback and maybe, maybe they're just really smart businessmen, but um, you know, I think people need to like be real about the situation. On the other hand, you know, I think uh, a lot of fans who are, these diehard New Japan fans or fans that hate AEW or hate the elite, they're like, they're not the real Bullet Club. The real Bullet Club is over here. And I'm like, well, that is true, I guess, you know, from a trademark standpoint. But, like, there's also no denying that that brand was never 
more po- like popular or, <laughs> you know, um, never meant as much as it did when those guys were at the head of it. And like, that's just the truth, regardless of how you personally feel about it. And, uh, I, I don't know what Tama should or shouldn't say, because it almost, I don't know. In one, in one respect, it's like, if he talks on it, I don't know, he comes off sounding kind of like petty and jealous, but on the other hand, like if he doesn't, like you're kind of like, burying your head in the sand i don't really know what the proper response to it is you know yeah i mean i think for him it's probably a good thing to respond on it also it's a very hot topic right now it's one of the hottest angles going in wrestling right now so you you can try and get some buzz and turn that towards your way and towards new japan and even tease that that the fact of you know people still want this forbidden door open tease the fact of a potential you know bullet club versus elite or bull club versus Kenny and good brothers kind of thing probably won't happen, but just to, to keep that spark going. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess it's kind of cool, like to keep your name in the mix and to like, you know, put that out there. You sort of work in your own angle, but at the end of the day, it's not going to happen. The angle is not really going to come to fruition and what you're any, any kind of like, uh, you know, attention that you're drawing is going to be pretty minimal in respect to what they're actually doing between impact and AW. you know, you, you, you kind of look like the small fish between the two big guys, even though in reality, new Japan is, you know, a big player, you know, it, it doesn't make them look like a big player in my book when it's kind of done that way. So I, I don't know, maybe, but who knows, maybe, maybe down the line there will be something and they can, you know, circle back to this. I, I'm not really sure. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I don't know that Tama should be the only ones. It, it like if, uh, if it's, if it was to be taken seriously, like maybe like evil or ghetto, or I don't even know if they have social media, but like maybe like he shouldn't be the only one saying something about it. Maybe Fale should be saying something about it. I don't know. You know? Yeah. Get kind of the whole club involved. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't, I, and it doesn't even have to be like a whole statement, but maybe just like a backhanded comment here or there or something, you know, I don't a tweet. I'm not sure. Yeah. And you know, I have no problem with, you know, the angle that's happening in AEW right now. I, I like what the direction they're going right now. And, you know, AEW was built on the popularity of the bullet club. I mean, obviously all in was, you know, the catalyst, big bullet club logos in the background there. The, the diehard AEW fan base, they, they, they're eating this up with Kenny and Good Brothers and the Bucks. They don't be too sweet and all this stuff. So I think for AEW, it made, made a ton of sense to do this angle and capitalize on, you know, what their fan base loves. Well, the other thing, too, is like, you know, we saw several minor attempts uh, from WWE to kind of capitalize on this, but they they didn't go as hard into it. Uh, I think part of it is because, you know, Vince has these, uh, you know, I don't know what the word is, but like he, he's not always apt to lean into something that wasn't his creation, you know, without him putting his spin on it. So like they were, they were never going to go full hard with the bullet club in the bullet in WWE, but they sort of alluded to that several times and no one really had an issue with it. You know, you weren't seeing like Tamatanga like tweet out about, you know, them not being 
the real OG Bullet Club, even if they were claim- because they kind of were in a way. Oh, right. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's just kind of funny. It's like he, he has beef with these guys doing it, but not the other guys when, you know, two thirds of them are, are, are the same guys. So, I mean, it's whatever, you know, it's probably, it's, it's all work at the end of the day. So, I mean, it, it's business. So uh, my big thing is like, they can't, they, they, I think they're playing a little fast and loose with the rules a little bit. Cause they've mentioned the bullet club several times. Um, they're not making it prominent, but they've mentioned it a couple times and then wearing the, I don't really know what the trademark rules are with wearing the merch and everything like that, but yeah, I, yeah, I think Kenny, they could. Yeah, Kenny wore a Bullet Club shirt on the Impact pay-per-view this weekend. Yeah, so who knows? I mean, it's smart on their part, but I think they just got to be careful because, you know, I don't know what I don't know how the legalities work between countries and stuff like that, but, you know. And now uh, there's a report that came out today that AEW is trademarking the words too sweet to be used on merchandising. Um, Which I've always thought that WWE actually owned that trademark. They might have let it expire. Yeah, I'm, I'd be surprised. I, I was always of the understanding that they had the trademark on Too Sweet. Yeah, and that there was, you know, uh, NXT trying to capitalize on some of this going on. There was an angle towards the end of NXT. You had uh, Balor and Adam Cole, you know, two former... Bull Club guys helping each other out there at the end of the crowd, the quote unquote crowd, Thunderdome chanting too sweet. Uh, so, <laughs> the piped in crowd. <laughs> yeah. So everybody's trying to, you know, capitalize on, on the momentum of uh, the, the angle going on right now with uh, Kenny and the Good Brothers. Hmm, interesting. Uh, we have some news here on New Japan World Subscriptions. Uh, they did a record. Oh, 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 oh. Before we move on, there was one thing. I've, I've totally forgot to mention this, and it's my fault. During New Japan Strong, we had, and I don't know if it was the debut, but to me it was the debut of a new Geni, jo- Geni Gucci. Oh, God, what is what is the name of the freaking thing? I love it so much. That's the sponge gimmick thing? It's not a sponge. This one's a spray. Okay, yeah, the, is, is that the is that the, the spray that Triple H was talking about? Uh, Geki Yochi Kun. Yeah, they have a new uh, Geki Yochi Kun uh, um, commercial, and it, it it's a follow up to the original commercial, and it's even better because every time um, uh, freaking Clark Connors goes to snap his fingers and transport them, the other guys don't want him to do it, and oh, like yeah. they they've had that commercial for a while now. Bro, I, well, I haven't been watching it strong, so I thought it was new. It's, <laughs> it's new for me. I fucking love it. It's really, I, it's the best thing on the show. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Uh, so New Japan World did a record uh, this month, hitting 130,000 subscribers for the first time. It was one of the biggest gains for Tokyo Dome in history of more than 20,000 the week of the show. The record was 40,000 in 2018 for Jericho versus Omega. Uh, the belief here is that there was a lot of people who would have gone to the show live, but they didn't want to risk it uh, or weren't able to get tickets, but still wanted to see the show. So that came from I don't the, buy that. Yeah, that, that came from uh, Wrestling Observer. Yeah, but think about the logic of that. You think that people who are going to go to Tokyo to watch New Japan don't have New Japan, New Japan World subscriptions? Right. That doesn't make that doesn't make any sense. 
Yeah, you would think they would already. If you're a New Japan fan, you already have it. I I'm I'm sure there are some people who don't you know who are willing to go to Japan, but bro, like that's gonna be so few and far between. Think about the logic for that. There's like you know so few people I think that that would actually apply to. Yeah. Um, I I think my thinking is just that 2020 has been a terrible year. Most of the pay-per-views have sucked. And this was a Tokyo Dome show with, you know, a, a large crowd and two really excellent shows. And I think they, I think they drew, um, yeah. because I think people wanted to see a semi normal pay-per-view. That's just what I'm thinking. Yeah. And especially, you know, it says 20,000 for the week. So there was a lot of buzz coming from these shows at the beginning of the week. So you could have had people hearing how great the shows were Monday and Tuesday and then subscribe throughout the rest of the week to catch the show. Oh, that makes even more sense. Yeah. I was thinking like people subscribed ahead of time and I knew that that was seemed a little bit of a stretch, but you know, the logic that was thrown out there just didn't make sense to me. But what you're saying makes total sense. You know, um, people saying these shows were fucking awesome. And then they're like, "Oh, well, I, I better go! I better go check it out." You know, good wrestling in this COVID era—that sounds great. You know, so of yeah. course. And last thing here in the news, uh, the Tokon Shop—they are doing a online meet and greet with our good friend Rocky Romero and David Finley on January twenty-first. So you can check out njpw1972.com for all the details on that online meet and greet. Nice. Well, we got some questions here. Did we uh, get the questions that rolled in late last week? Yeah, that was from, this one? from Dom Homie 101, and I have all of them listed up there right front and center. All right, cool. Well, let's, uh, let's roll through these. Yeah, so first he asks, where does Yo fit in when he returns from injury? Well, I think that's kind of up to the bookers. I mean, I think he could fit right back into – chaos like immediately if that's the way they wanted to go they could reunite Rapungi 3k pretty easily which i think a lot of people are hoping for and um you know if you want to make a story out of his return and and you know maybe a tension between the two tag team members and and you know build that to a split you know that'd be a very classic sort of story um if you wanted to bring him back and do go some other route and plug them into a different group. Uh, I think you could do that too. I mean, at this point, my, I guess the most logical thing would be bring them back to chaos, but I've got this sneaking suspicion that maybe Rapunga 3k is done. Yeah. I, I feel like, yeah, I'm with you there. I think Rapunga 3k is done. I, I, I think the biggest thing to do, especially if you want to get some buzz, yeah, have yo come back and turn on him on turn on show and kick off their feud. Uh, but again, yeah, yo could easily just come back and they just continue to do Rapungi 3k. They still haven't got that, that long, you know, junior tag tower run they were supposed to get. Um, so maybe Gato wants to get that under their belt before he, he splits them. So hmm. it's all the things. Um, he also asked after losing to Ibushi on night one of wrestle kingdom, where does Naito go from here? Will we ever see him main eventing Tokyo Dome again? And will we ever see him get another run with the IWGP championship? Well, yeah, I think there's also a lot of questions on where Naito goes from here. I'll say right now he's not really doing much on these roti shows, not scheduled for, uh, you know, Nagoya or Hiroshima, one of the big matchups. But obviously Castle Attack is coming up, and we mentioned earlier, I think he could be a challenger for Bushi for that, for that big February show. 
Um, I do think, you know, especially now we, we have two dome main events, uh, and he's still active. I think he could still main event a dome one of the nights again uh, next year. Will he get another run with the title? I don't know. I, I definitely don't think this year. Uh, I mean, but they could uh, maybe in a year or two give him one more run. I don't think it's impossible that we see him win the title again. Um, I think it kind of depends on a lot of, you know, different things that, that happen between now and then. Um, I would be inclined to say no, but if you wanted to make him a credible champion to drop the belt to someone, you know, kind of add his name and prestige to that person, you know, like let's say hypothetically Will Ospreay, that that's something I could see happening. So, um, or, or something of that nature. So yeah, that's definitely a possibility. Um, as far as what comes next for him, I think it's gotta be a, a big feud, you know, and we're kind of in that strange part. You know, a lot of people have sort of mentioned this over the years. They've mentioned like with new Japan that the roster, you know, so many of these guys have been in rotation for so many years. We've seen them all feud with one another at some point that you kind of run out of options. So I think you kind of have to come up with something new for him to do. And it's kind of tough because we've seen many of the, the different guys that, that are on the roster, you know, wrestle with him. Um, one, one opera, one option is like, I don't know, maybe like Jeff Cobb, uh, it, it would be like a new challenge. Um, you know, there's always Shingo, but they're on the same faction, but you know, down the line, you know, with the twist of fate and they don't end up, you know, being stable mates. That's another feud. A lot of the big feuds that are out there for him reside in LIJ. And that's right. kind of one of the issues. Um, obviously I think most of the guys in the, uh, United empire are all new challengers for him. So that's kind of out there too. Yeah. Uh, he also asked, any bold predictions for NJPW in 2021? I'm talking outside-the-box type of predictions like the breakup of LIJ, reformation of Evil and Sonata as a unit, and your returning to cost show the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. Oof, I haven't thought of any um, really crazy outside-of-the-box things. Can you think of anything that, that you're feeling? Yeah, here's my crazy, bold, out-of-the-box prediction. Shingo Takagi wins the IWGP title. That would be cool. Um, oh, man. God, I'm on the spot here, um, and I'm tired tonight. I, I don't have anything yet. I guess I'd have to think about it. I don't have a crazy outside-the-box bold prediction right now. All right. Well, yeah, think about that, and then maybe next week come with something. I All wish right. – I mean, I don't know. I it, It's tough, man. It's tough to predict that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, he also asked any way too early Russell Kingdom 16 main event predictions. He's going with Naito versus Romu and Ibushi versus Osprey. Um, <laughs> maybe my bold prediction should be that Russell Kingdom will only be one night next year. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know for Russell Kingdom. My big, my, I don't know. Uh, I think Will Ospreay and Naito makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I also, for some reason, feel like Okada's going to win the G1 this year. I mean, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I kind of like his uh, the answer of Abushi uh, and Osprey. 
uh, for one of the nights. I think there's you know, a history there, um, you know, leading back to them um, wrestling for the Never title, opening Wrestle Kingdom. Um, just the matches they've had, I think that could be a compelling main event there. Yeah, I agree. I think that'd be really great. I know my two predictions do not coincide with one another. You know, uh, obviously if Okada wins the G1, he'd probably be in the main event. Um, well, but for not necessarily, <laughs> most likely. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I I think that at some point, you know, I just think Will Osprey and. Uh, and Naito is a very protected match. We've never seen it happen. So that's got to be either a domain event or a G1 final. Yeah. Most likely. Yeah, I would do it for the dome. Although we, we kind of said the same thing about Jay White and Naito, and they did that as a B block final the first time. Right. Which was surprising. Uh, next question. He says, since G.O.D. surpasses Tenkozy for most tag team reigns at NJBW, do you guys think that we might get G.O.D. versus Tenkozy match in the near future? I wouldn't be opposed to it, especially since there's a lack of tag teams in the division anyway, so why not? Right, and clearly they're utilizing Kojima and Tenzon um, in this time where they have a limited roster. So, yeah, to freshen up the tag scene, why not give those guys a match? But G.O.D.'s not even in Japan right now, right? Yeah, they're back here in uh, Florida, and they'll, they'll be flying back for the tag title match coming up in February against uh, Techers. Okay. Non-NJW question, but a funny question. What are you guys' thoughts on the whole Fiend Orton Bliss program? Uh, I think he's got to throw Asuka into there, too, now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I don't really keep up with it. I, I just, like, I'll see a couple of the things here or there. Uh, I mean, it, to me, I, I it's total bullshit, but, like, my girlfriend loves it, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I don't watch WWE. I, I only see what happens based off of GIFs um, on Twitter, and then I, I listen to Observer to hear the recap of what happens, but I don't really watch the program. I'm not really invested uh, I mean, I think, go ahead. also, also the the Alexa Bliss stuff. I'm just gonna throw it out there. It's problematic. Yeah. Uh, you know they got they got this girl out there with pigtails on a swing talk, on a swing set talking like a child. You do the math. Yeah. Overall, the whole throw the whole thing in the trash. You, you better believe uh, 2021 FOH draft that that's gonna be drafted. Um, <laughs> this may be a silly question, but are GOD still in Japan? Which is no, nope, they're, they're not. They're here. Uh, about that time again, what are the young boy thoughts on Ryan Garcia? Is he the real deal or just another Victor Ortiz? What are Ryan's chances against Tank Davis? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I've always had a lot of apprehension when it comes to, uh, Ryan Davis or I'm sorry, Ryan Garcia. Um, to me, he was always, I always saw him as just kind of like a YouTube fighter, uh, someone who got a lot of notoriety for the social media posts that he was putting out there, but, you know, hadn't really done enough in the ring to like kind of, kind of back up what was, you know, out there. But, you know, this most recent win that he just got over Luke Campbell, I mean, he showed A, that he's got a great chin, B, that he's got guts, and C, that he is the real deal. Um, I still got Gervonta over him, 
But I mean, I think he's way beyond Victor Ortiz when it comes to skill and talent. He he does remind me in a lot of ways of a young Oscar De La Hoya, and I think he's got a smart marketing team behind him and the fact that they know how to capitalize on social media in a way that so many other sports figures, personalities, you know, athletes, wrestlers, MMA fighters, boxers, they don't know how to do what Ryan Garcia has been doing. And um, it is kind of what you need to do to get over in these these days. Um, and, you know, he's a young guy. He's like 21, 22, something like that. And he's kind of figured it out. So uh, really looking forward to seeing him and Trevante Davis. Uh, I, I think that, you know, styles make fights. It's, it's tough because they're both so fast and so young. I don't really – I don't even know that that could even be a good fight. I think it's more going to be like a shootout, whoever lands first, because uh, both those guys are just – you know, devastating punchers, but I, I got your Bronte. Nice. Uh, next question here from Reddit Grunty Dodds says last week you predicted that because of COVID or uncertainty, NJPW will do much of its uh, storytelling through tournaments in 2021 between Japan and the U S they managed to run 10 tournaments in six months last year. Do you see them <laughs> beating that record in 2021? I don't, I think that we're going to get more standard, uh, um, you know, tours and shows kind of like what we're getting with these next two tours, but that doesn't preclude them from running maybe say mini tournaments in the middle of the tours, just to kind of keep things interesting. I think we're still going to get the majority of the, the tournaments that we usually get. Um, so, I mean, I don't see them necessarily beating their record last year, but it's going to, in order for them to run tours, it's going to, and, you know, with limited rosters, things like that's going to require them to be very, very creative when it comes to, you know, how they book the shows. Yeah, I guess the one encouraging thing, too, is it's seeming like we're, we're getting back to the normal schedule here with New Japan yeah. Cup being um, in March and springtime. And so right after that is Best Super Juniors. Um, so it seems like the, the tournaments are going to fall in their normal place. I'm not sure about G1 because obviously, you know, there were, the Olympics are supposed to be you know, trying to run again this summer. And so that would have to push you one back to the fall. Um, but with COVID up in the air, I'm not even sure if the Olympics would be able to run anyway. So a lot of questions up in the air there, but I think with, with the schedule kind of going back to normal, I think it does help them out with not having to run as many tournaments as they did last year. Yeah. Uh, next question from ready to Viking pain says, Hey, young boy, what's your finish and what's the worst bump you've taken so far? <laughs> Um, that's an interesting question because worst bump, I mean, that can mean a lot of different things. I mean, um, the most painful bump I ever took was one I've talked about in the show where I literally had a crash pad out on the cement and I was on the apron, a low apron, by the way, like, a, like we, we actually just got a new ring at the dojo and it's like several feet taller, um, so, I mean, this was, I was pretty low to the ground and I just jumped, took a flat back bump onto the crash pad on the cement. And I mean, it hurt. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's kind of weird because the, the most painful bump I've taken is on a crash pad like that. Um, the other thing too, is we have a new ring and it's a lot stiffer, way stiffer than the original ring that we were training in. It's a lot higher quality ring though. Um, so that's kind of changed a lot of the dynamics. I wouldn't say that I've taken any really bad bumps. Uh, the worst bumps I've probably taken are probably bumps that I've 
take in myself just in the course of training where I didn't take them right. Um, you know, just literally like flat back bumps or like T bumps, those, you know, if you don't do them right, they suck. But, uh, in terms of like the most dangerous bump I ever took, uh, Jeremy was actually there for it. I took a, uh, a high angle, um, what is it? Backdrop. Just ba- yeah. Just a high angle backdrop. Um, which I've had, up to that point, I'd never taken a high angle, but that's just the way the momentum took us. And I landed it fine. I didn't feel anything at all, especially since I was in the middle of a match, but, uh, that was probably the worst quote unquote, the worst bump I ever took. Um, as far as a finish, I don't really have one defined yet. Boston crab. Uh, yeah, I guess a Boston <laughs> crab. I am still a green boy. So, um, there is there is a submission that I I've messed around with and played around with. It's called the spider twist, and I've got kind of a a cool setup transition to get into that move. But I mean, I've never actually used it, you know, for real, for real. So I mean, I don't know if that's even going to end up being my my sub or not or my finish. So I, I imagine for a while I'm just going to get my ass beat. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh. His next question, based on Goto and Ichigi's comments about Jay and Ichigi's struggles, is the end game for this Jay White storyline a future Bayface run for Switchblade? I think so, 100%. Yeah, we, we've been saying on the show for a while now, there's a lot of money to be made with Jay as a Bayface. Uh, yeah, I think it makes perfect sense for him to come back and not rely on Bull Club, especially after you know New Year's Dash and Russell Kingdom, where none of them were really helping him out or, you know, Really, or really behind him, so I think him coming back and kind of leaving Blood Club would uh, be the best thing going forward. Uh, next question Is there anything going on with Impact in New Japan? We know Don Callis has been trying to fix the relationship for years, and Impact guys like Chris Bay and TJP have had matches for New Japan USA, but even then, I was still surprised to see the Bullet Club logo at their recent sh- pay per view show. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on between Impact and New Japan. I really don't think there's there's much going on uh, there. I think obviously that was just Kenny doing his thing to you know get people talking for for his angle. Um, I think TJP and Chris Bay have different con- contracts to where they can do um, outside stuff, especially TJP considering he wrestles MLW as well. I know TJP does. I think the deal with uh, Chris Bay was like he got it approved through the office. Gotcha. Yeah. So, and yeah, that's that could have been them. Yeah, definitely with Chris Bay trying to open some doors there. But I, I don't think there's anything going on between the two. I don't even know necessarily that that statement about Don Callis trying to repair the relationship for years is even accurate. I mean, I know that uh, Don West and them. Is it Don West? No, it's not Don West. Who's uh, who's the other? Uh, Scott Demore. Yeah, I, I always mix them up. Uh, Scott Demore and them made a play to try to repair the relationship once, and it was not received. But I think that the the rift with Axis tells us a lot more about the relationship between these two than any other thing that's happened in recent past. You know, did they display their logo when they brought in Chris Bay? Sure, you know, but that's about it. Like, <laughs> right. I don't, I, I really don't think there's a working relationship of any sort whatsoever between these two companies. And, you know, when it does happen, it'll be cool, but. Yeah. And as of right now, we're, st- you know, Ring of Honor is still the American partner for New Japan. We're seeing Ring of Honor guys on strong. Um, there's still some kind of relationship going there. 
Yep. Uh, next question here from Razor Kaiju nine one seven. Is it time for Lij to get a new pareja, or how about Zugun? What does that even look like? Do you have to murder someone from Minoru to let you in? <laughs> well, uh, I, you do have to roll with Minoru Suzuki. Uh, I think you know his primary sparring partner is uh, Desperado, and Desperado gets the shit kicked out of him all the time <laughs> by Suzuki. So. Um, I wouldn't be uh, opposed to either team getting a new member. I just don't really know who that person would even be, uh, especially given like the COVID climate. Right. Yeah. Lij, I really can't think of anybody right now that could could fit in. Uh, Mysterioso. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I want to see how Mysterioso would do in, in Japan, though. I yeah, I I like. I'm very impressed with Mysterioso, but I mean, I think. Being a luchador, a heavyweight luchador, there's a lot of limitations to what you could do with that character. Yeah, like we said earlier, that Chris Dickinson to Sugun would be, I think would be a great fit. But I mean, you know, we've talked about like them changing groups, changing leaders, debuting new groups, splintering things like that. But I mean, sometimes just adding a new, you know, member does a lot of wonders. And I mean, we saw that when Shingo joined you know uh lij so maybe maybe it is time for those groups to bring in other people but i mean right now the only thing is they they're pretty filled like filled out in terms of like where everyone is in their pecking order and the hierarchy and everything so you know uh, the, the bringing in a new character for me all it would do is kind of rock the boat in terms of that hierarchy yeah. At this for for those two specific groups. I I don't see how you easily um bring someone in cohesively and just you know bring them into the rotation right now. Yeah. And for Suzuki Goon there's also still the possibility of like a Tai Chi takeover and, and it being Tai Chi Goon at some point. Maybe, possibly. Yeah. Uh next question here from Reddit Mobert Suplex for your predictions for the Tanahashi single match with a never title. Um so I, no, my only prediction is right now is that it's going to be an incredible match. Yeah, I think it's going to be a match of the year contender. Uh, but we'll give our official predictions when we uh, preview that uh, new beginning show. Rambone Slam Pig asked us, has there been any update on Carl Fredericks? Last I knew he was injured, but I am not sure how long he was supposed to be out. Do you see him going to Japan for some tours or staying in America for strong once he has recovered? So I know I saw a tweet of him today talking about going into the dojo. So I'm not quite sure where he's at. I don't know if he's just going to rehab or he's, if he's back rolling and training and stuff like that. Um, but I would imagine if he's at the dojo, he's probably on the road to recovery and we'll probably see him on strong first and then maybe some down the line once you know travel restrictions ease up and they can get more people into the country. Uh, for now... Carl is a guy that, like, I obviously everyone who sees him sees big money in him, and I'm like, do what? I, I just wonder what management sees as far as like how far they're willing to go with him because I think the obvious answer at some point is like he's already graduated. At some point, you have to bring him over, but it's so pivotal in how and when they bring him over because, like, for my money, my thinking is when you bring him over. I'm not saying you go full Okada with him, but you might want to go just a smidge below that. Like maybe you bring him in 
and have him win a whole fucking New Japan Cup right out the gate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or or something of that, something along those lines. Because I'm like, but then it, it with how faction oriented New Japan proper is, you kind of gotta wonder where he would even fit in. Does he come in as a lone wolf? How would that like all kind of fit and work? And you know they got a lot of guy top gaijin already. I mean they're you know with the fact that this is a domestic product. I mean how much room is there for a guy like Carl Fredericks when you've got Jay White and Will Ospreay and people like that on top? So I mean it's it's kind of um, it's kind of hard to say which way they'd go. But I think. Um, I mean, if if you wanted to make a star, you got everything to make a star with him right there. Yeah, I definitely think he needs a, a, a debut that's a that makes a big impact. Well, that's yeah, winning a tournament or beating somebody big or jumping somebody that's a top star. He definitely needs to be inserted into the picture as a top star from day one. Uh, next question from uh, the Doc Chad Matthews or, or his shoot name Chad McIntyre. He says, "Who is." most likely to dethrone the current singles champions and when do you think each title change will take place? Ooh, that's a that's a tough question. Who do you think is gonna beat Abushi for the gold? Yeah, that is the the tough one right there. Hmm. There is a part of me that thinks Will Ospreay makes a lot of sense. Hmm. Yeah. Um, when that would happen, I mean, it might be too bold, but maybe, maybe you go like literally at Sakura Genesis in April. Yeah. I know it's a quick turnaround, but you could do that. Yeah. Or you, you have Osprey win a new Japan cup and then what will that be? That would take the, that's what I just said, man. Sakura Genesis. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. That's what the winner gets. Yeah. It's the same. That's the same thing. I just yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For some reason I was picturing Sakura Genesis like later, but yeah, that's right after new Japan cup. Uh, as far as I think the rest of this question is like, when will each title change take place? Meaning like, I think it means all the titles. Uh, there's too many titles for me to answer that part of the question. Uh, uh, I think it's, I think it's intriguing, but junior tag titles. Um, I mean, Bro, I can't, I can't map out every title. I could see those changing place on Saturday uh, with Phantasma and the whole load of boot gimmick. Uh, the Never title, that's one of those titles that's, that's kind of hot potato, but I, I feel like Shingo is going to have a long run with that title. See, that's the thing. It's like there, there are probabilities that some of these titles might change here in February, but I can't map it out for the rest of the year, you know? And, uh, yeah. I, I, I just think that aspect of the question is too hard as far as like the first part for sure. Absolutely. I think that's a great question, but, uh, and not to say the second part's bad, but it's just like, bro, I have no clue when, um, you know, when the U S title is going to drop and when and where, like I've got no clue. Yeah, well, hopefully that that's happening soon. <laughs> Mox and uh, Kenta. But yeah, I mean, as far as, like who can take the Never title? I can see you know Cobb eventually getting the Never title this year, or even uh, Okan as a guy who can get the Never title this year. Yeah, as I said, there's there's just too many titles to kind of plan it out. That like I I can't predict all that. Uh, so next uh, last few questions here from Kevin from DC. 
Uh, first it says, my copy of King of Strong Style just came in the mail yesterday, and I'm definitely looking forward to reading it. Have either of you read it, and do you have any thoughts? It is written as one long extended interview and covers his life up at, up until right before the Kingdom 9. It looks to be a good read. There's even a picture of Nakamura and Brian Danielson reenacting the Titanic pose from their L.A. Dojo time together. Hilarious. Also, if we ignore the Chris Charlton books since they get mentioned every time someone asks, have either of you read any other books about Pure worth checking out? I know, I know you guys were put on this earth to lead, not read. <laughs> That's a funny question. Um, no, I mean, uh, I definitely know about the Nakamura book. I've never read it. Uh, I've read some excerpts from it. Um, you know, I think at some point I'd like to read it. Um, you know, uh, this is kind of a cop-out. It's not a book, but... You know, the series that they're doing on the NJPW 1972 website with Hiroshi Tanahashi about his life has been an incredible, incredibly insightful read um, that I highly recommend. But as far as like actual pro resu books, uh, I think we had this question a few weeks ago and I gave out some recommendations, but none of them that I've read personally yeah, I have not read King of Strong Style, and I haven't read anything outside of the Charlton stuff uh, to check out. Hmm. Um, and his last question here, he says, this, this isn't purely a Jeremy trait, but it seems every time someone writes or talks about a Satoshi Kojima match, they have to include the moniker of my man, Satoshi Kojima, at the beginning. Last question of the week, if someone were to talk about a wrestler exclusively and start off with my man who would be the most ridiculous wrestler to use in this style? I don't see many people clamoring for my man, Captain Japan, or my <laughs> man, Chase Owens, or, Whoa. Dear, or dear God, my man, Doki, but your mileage may vary. I'm pretty sure there have been many times I've actually said my man, Chase Owens. We, that, Yeah, especially that, at the that, beginning that, of this show. That's we, my boy. We, we've said my man, Chase Owens. Except for like after the allegations and stuff from uh, speaking out, I kind of, <laughs> kind of quieted that down a little bit. <laughs> um, I think we're, uh, I'm all, I, I'm fine with saying my man Doki. Yeah, Doki's raw, man. Um, who's the most like ridiculous? I don't know. Like I, I don't I don't attribute you know claiming someone unless they're raw as fuck. So you know, uh, my man Jado. That that could be no <laughs> pretty ridiculous. But, but, but Jado was awesome at one point. Yeah. Uh, Ghetto too. I don't know. My man, bad luck, Fale. Yeah, that would be ridiculous. Try to think. I don't know. I don't know, man. Try to think of any other crazy ones. I don't know. It's late. I don't have good answers for this stuff. Let's let's go to the recommended match and move on. So, uh, recommended match of the week last week is uh, was Kazuchika Okada versus uh, Marafuji from King of Pro Wrestling 2016. Uh, this match was incredible. Uh, also, the big build here of you know Marafuji pinning Okada in the G1. That was a one loss that uh, really prevented Okada from winning um, the G1 this year. One that that year. Uh, and so, yeah, viewed here, they set up here, kind of Noah versus New Japan. Uh, it's just excellent stuff here. I mean, this was a traditional Okada main event matchup here. Uh, Marifuji killing Okada with chops all throughout the match. Um, you know, your great Okada sequences coming back with DTs. 
uh, the dropkick to the floor, the crossbody over the guardrail. Uh, Mayor Fuji, a lot of great kicks, great quick kicks. Um, hit a pile driver to Okada on the apron. There was this awesome submission that he did that was a rolling cobra clutch thing into a triangle choke thing. That's the best way I can describe it. That that was awesome. I think somebody should steal that as a finish. Um, Mayor Fuji hitting cobra clutch backbreaker. There was a great strike exchange. Mayor Fuji was hitting a bunch of V triggers. Um, in this match, uh, Okada uh, kicked out of the, the sliced bread. That was a big moment there, countering sliced bread into a Rainmaker, uh, hitting uh, Marifuji with his Emerald Flosion, and then pinning him with the Rainmaker. Yeah, and I mean, him him hitting him with the, with the Emerald Flosion right before the Rainmaker is like adding insult to injury because, you know, obviously that's Mizawa's, you know, big one of his big finishers. Um it just really awesome. I mean, it's a big spectacle match. You know, the the match that they had in the G1 was sort of like your traditional wrestlers, you know, um, kind of paradise sort of match. This was more like your big style main event spectacle sort of match, which, uh, you know, we don't get enough of those. And so, I mean, in 2016, I mean, it you had the Ace of Noah against the Ace of New Japan. I mean, that it was a big fucking deal, and uh, this match was just incredible. Um, the you know, lots of times people like to talk about uh, the Shibata match being like the tough man match, you know, sort of like testing Okada's medal at uh, you know, invade or at uh, Sakura Genesis. But I mean, you got a lot of that here with this uh. Marafuji match. Marafuji just fucking lightened this dude yeah, up. For a second, I thought I was watching Walter the way he was freaking killing Okada with those chops. Yeah, I, I love Marafuji. He and he still can go even right now, which is great. But um, yeah, this match is just really, really awesome, and it's it's one of those things that uh, you know, just continues to add to the legacy and legend of Kazushika Okada and why he is so revered the way that he is. Uh, if you've never seen this match, it's a must watch. I was surprised that you actually hadn't seen it, uh, Jeremy, but yeah, I mean, now, now you kind of got that checked off. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd recommend watching the G1 match too. It's, uh, it's probably just as good, but in a different way. Yeah. I went 4.75 on this absolutely yeah. incredible matchup here. Um, I love the whole presentation. I'll see you in the whole Noah versus New Japan thing and uh, Marifuji coming out with some Noah guys and just the whole seven presentation and just the fact like, you know, can this Noah guy take our take the title and end up main eventing Wrestle Kingdom? Um, the whole story was great. Great matchup. I loved it. I, I agree. Really, really like this match. And then uh, the recommended match for this week will be Satoshi Kojima versus Shibata from the G1 Climax 23, August 2nd, 2013. Nice. Looking forward to watching that. So nice little hard in action, little highlight match here of Kojima as we get ready for Kojima versus Will Ospreay. And that's going to uh, wrap everything up for this week. Uh, next week, we'll be back to talk more about the uh, road to New Beginning, looking at you know the New Beginnings in Nagoya and Hiroshima coming up. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate. Click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media. The show on Twitter is at KI Strong Style. 
The network is at Social Suplex. I am at Jeremy L. Donovan. On Facebook, we are Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. You can find us in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group, Facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle. On Instagram, we're at Social Suplex. On Reddit, I'm the Pro Black Guy. Josh is keeping it strong style. You can email me, Jeremy at SocialSuplex.com. Check out all the other shows here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We have One Nation Radio. This is by Rachel Atta and James Boyd. We have the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show from Scotland. Brave Consequences with Caleb and Maserati. The 8-Bit Suplex with Josh Number 2 and Sandy. All Things Elite with Floyd and Austin. And the Great Match Generator with Danny and Beast Mike. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style. The Ace of Podcasts. It's Yvonne. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.